Beers and Tears would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land from which we conduct this podcast, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their continued connection to the land and waterways and sky of this beautiful place, and we pay our respects to Elders past and present, and extend that respect to all First Nations people present today, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. This episode was proudly recorded at the beautiful studio space at Small Time Group. Supporting emerging artists to refine their products, develop a plan, and connect with peers and the industry. Face the seasons on my own. Tell me, why should I let you go? Staring at the ceiling, burning holes. Hello everyone, welcome back to Beers and Tears. Today I'm joined with Kingswood. Hello guys, how are you? Hey, Excellent. Can I inquire what the tears part is? Is it because of how much laughter? We haven't got there yet. I was actually having a real hard think about this the other day because I was like, what what is Beers and Tears? Because it's kind of evolved over time. Right. Because initially it was like, we want this to rhyme. And it was just beers. <laughs> yeah. And then we were like, beers okay. is a good beers. theme because like people can, like when beers or just drinks in general are involved, it's a bit like of a yeah. looser vibe. Yeah, absolutely. So we were like, okay, beers is a nice theme to have. How loose do you think our vibe has been prior to the conversation without any alcohol whatsoever? I feel like it was like, no, I re- it, it wasn't that loose. I mean, Ferg was hooting. Oh, yeah, that part. <laughs> That part was, I think that topped it to about 60%. Yeah. yeah pretty loose. Yeah, yeah, but I also haven't had any beer. That's my point. We're pretty loose without the beer, so imagine with the beer. And it is we're not having beer. That's what I'm saying. It's because we're deli- well, I am deliberately trying to not drink as much because we've been touring and drinking a lot. Well, Although we are going to drink tonight. I'm drinking. Yeah, you're drinking. You've had three, weekly. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. My, but that's the other thing. I was like, I don't want to feel like, because some people don't drink. I don't really drink that much. So I didn't want to like feel like I was pressuring people into drinking alcohol. Anyway, so then I was just like, okay, tears. <laughs> tears is like, you know, it could go either way. You could be like laughing and you'd cry and have laughter or it can get to that Emotional state. And, um, I think it's yeah. an excellent title. I like it Thank a lot. Thank you. So now that's the that's where it's evolved to now. Beers and tears. Beers and tears. I like it a lot. Thank you. So you guys make music. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Alex and Fergus. Yeah. For all those listening at home. Um, I guess how would you say that your speaking of evolution, how your sound has evolved since the beginning of Time. Kingswood making all those years ago to uh, now. Cause like you kind of like dabble within the country and rock vibe. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off, which is that just in a philosophical sense, we're not a band that's in like the ACDC model of like just doing the same thing. We mm-hmm. very much put out whatever uh, influences sort of dictate or whichever direction we're in. And that's musical and it's environment and, did you preface this answer with this is a philosophical response? Um, because everything you said couldn't be more literal. Well, I think I'm speaking just generally. Our philosophy is that you don't uh, – we don't try and do anything. We just let the whatever our influences are 
point us in a direction and if we're enjoying something and we're feeling something, then we do that. We don't, like, go, hey, we need to make a dance record. Mm, okay. Is that What's okay? Your, yeah. I don't know. Okay? I, don't, I don't even know. Do you I don't sit know. there and go, I want to – I think we should do this strategically or do you just – No, definitely not. But, no, I just – I don't know whether I'm jet-lagged still or – but I was, like, waiting for – Some some philosophy? Like, an immensely – like, I was waiting for, like, a really moving – Speech. I was just setting you up. It's it's as moving as like a Miley Cyrus episode. Oh, God. <laughs> I have not watched it. Me neither, but you can imagine right. Hannah Montana being like, no one's getting in the way of my destiny. Yeah. Well, move me. Everybody makes mistakes is what she, quote unquote. Is that her Hannah Montana. Thing? Everyone makes so that's mistakes. That's a song. Everybody has those days. It's true. She's right. I actually like my, I love Miley Cyrus. Me too. Are you a Miley Cyrus fan? Uh, I'm not against her. I'm not really into her. I thought the the um, the uh, sort of the individual essence that came out with their Wrecking Ball album and going away with all that kid stuff and being like, I can be an adult now and do my own thing was cool, even though it's been done before and may have been contrived, but I like that. Mm. I think it's a natural progression for everyone to come of – Age in a way, and realize that. Yeah, they say that Zendaya does it really well. She was like the whole Disney life. She's done it remarkably well. She like transitioned really nicely. She has she has a great grace to almost everything she does. Yeah, not Whereas, a musician, but I think Ryan Gosling has actually never changed. He was always cool, even when he was a kid on those shows. Yeah. Do you think he was cool in Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington? Do you say Denzel or Denzel? Denzel. Mm. With Denzel. <laughs> Here comes old Denzel. Uh, I don't recall the film. He's like, a, he's like a football coach. Oh, I do recall. Is he not cool? He's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say he's, yeah. He's, he's not, not, he's not uncool. He's just like he not. He could be cooler. Like yeah. he's been cooler. And he's not a striking character, even though he plays like quite a critical he has yeah. a tom- he he's he's got an interesting relationship with his father, I believe. Is that right, Vic? Ryan Gosling does in the movie, <laughs> not just in life. <laughs> I mean, who knows? He might. I can't remember. You this is that kid movie, right? You saying his character isn't cool because his character doesn't have to be cool. No, it's of course it's like what you do with the character. But you know what I think about Ryan Gosling? You think he's full of shit? No, I don't think he's full of shit. I just think he's like we're in. Um, I don't think he's average. Paris and there's the Louvre and the pyramid and everything. And then there's this gigantic, is it Gucci? Yeah. Gucci ad that must be like the most expensive bit of advertising real estate on the planet. It's literally Enormous. next to the Louvre and it's like. It spans the width of the, the like. entire building. Yeah. So it's, it's like, like the biggest thing you've ever, it's insane. And so there's the gauze and he's walking through water carrying a, a trolley full of all this um, Gucci suitcases and, and he's, he's wearing a, Gucci a suit. suit and it's all like matched. And Al was just like, don't rate it. Don't rate his expression. And I, I, I think if, if you're going to put the best photograph you can create on that wall, That's not I think it. they did a poor job. Mm. Fair enough. I think you agreed to some extent. I think I did agree. Do you agree now? Um, I just, it just wasn't exceptional. I agree. I know. I I know. I haven't seen the image, but in terms of what you're saying, if you're gonna do something to that extravagance, like imagine like their attempt at surrealism, where he's like in the ocean pushing this like 
cart of luggage and he's all, like, all the prints are all matched and he's sort of just, like, it's an attempted, like, expression of struggle of, like, oh, I'm pushing this trolley through Mm. the ocean. And it's because of how, like, unusually placed the whole thing is, that's the thing that grabs your attention. It's like... What about what about just his what about just his face? Well, do you think the Goz is uh, like? Do we agree that the Goz is never going to win an Oscar? No, I don't agree. You, you don't, don't agree? agree? No, I, I reckon he, he will. I feel like he's In a little what? bit of a. Is, well, I don't know. It hasn't come out. Yet. <laughs> I feel like he's a little bit of a um, uh, who's um, Neo. Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. A little bit. He's got a little bit True. more. Keanu Reeves does comedy and stuff. He's pretty one dimensional. The Goz. Yeah. Keanu Reeves. Is great. There's no one that could have played Neo like Keanu Reeves because it so embodies that awkward exchange you know, thing Will that he Smith has. Will Smith was going to do it? Play Neo. Play Neo and then, sorry, and then um, Morpheus yep. was going to be played by, I can't remember Willie Nelson. <laughs> no, it was like Jack Nicholson or something. Oh, Not Jack Nicholson would have been they had a, They had a switch up and then it didn't happen and then they- um. Yeah, but he did Men in Black, him. so that's fine. Yeah. That's kind of like his equivalent. Not really, but kind of. Yeah. Because no one could have done it like like Keanu Reeves did. Yeah. In my opinion. I agree. But I do think that Ryan Gosling might win an Oscar. Have you seen Place Beyond the Pines? Yeah. I think that Yeah, but it's also not, it's not, not that it's Oscar worthy, but like it's that, his there's best potential there, you know? Yeah, but all his best actually, have you seen Blue Valentine? That's fucked. I think that's Oscar worthy. What about the one where he plays, he dresses up as an old woman and kills people? What? That's probably his best work. Is that the Japanese film? No. Ryan Gosling dresses up as an old lady and murders people in this movie. I think you had a dream. Go on. Single. What's this single handed typing? Is this like striking any. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Why don't you Google image Ryan Gosling, old woman killer? I think he's good at being like fucked up and badass and everything, but I don't know if he's good at like being vulnerable. I don't think he's a good serial killer. He's incredible when he dresses up as this old woman. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He's got like this great wig. I believe you. <laughs> we'll watch it. We'll watch it's it. Compelling. Right. Where were we? Why did we? Where did we get to this? Oh, um, oh because you were making fun of his. His non-philosophical response. Oh right. yeah. So our. Uh, um, how do we how do we make music? No, 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 Ryan Gosling as a woman. Is that how our genres and styles have evolved? I think you answered that question. This is gonna be well. this, this is gonna be a podcast of tangents. we we just reflect how we are as people. Isn't it's like it's as simple as that. Like we can go into like the depth of it. But we're just satisfied. like it's incredibly selfish. You just satisfy your own impulses and inclinations. And then if it makes you feel good, you're like, yeah, this is great. Let's do this. Cool. And if it doesn't, then you fuck it off and move to the next thing that does. And then you put it out and hope. Well, you don't even hope. It's just a blessing if other people like it. I feel like that is the absolute, that's the that's the recipe for any any musician. It has to be. There's no, you couldn't sustain like the commitment it requires if you were doing it falsely. Unless you're one of those people that do that for a job. Yeah, unless you write whatever it is for other people or you mm. copy shit for ads and whatever it is. But I mean, like, committed to, like, as building as your, your own empire and touring for, like, 15 years yeah. and all the sacrifices no that take. There's no, you have to believe in it 100%. Yeah. Because you live and breathe it every day. It's the only way. 
So, like, you know, country rock. It's like we love, we've always loved country and we've always loved rock. And so we just haven't made it as explicitly as this form, but but we have recorded country songs on other records, loads. And if you think about Ohio, which was our first notable single, in arguably, that is very southern rock. Mm. We Big just city. we just presented it in a way that was more like Tarantino-y and the imagery and the imagery of the band was like kind of shifted you away from what it actually was. Right. Just because we like to be. There's a little banjo yeah, song in our first record. There's a what? There's a little banjo, banjo song in our first record. Do you play the banjo? Is that yours? That's not mine. Oh. I try to play the banjo. I recently discovered that there's a six-string banjo. Yeah. Banjo guitar? Apparently. It's which tuned like a normal guitar? Which I would much prefer. Mm. All right, what's your opinion on that? Do you guys play the banjo? We play the banjo guitar. But when I say play, I would, there's no way I would claim at all that any of us could play it. Okay. So you just play it like a normal guitar. You've just yeah. used it as a textual element as a textual. on a record. Okay, yeah, like that's playing the playing the banjo is different. Playing the banjo is like playing the banjo is like similar to like learning something like the bouzouki. Yeah. It's much it's far more in like the tradition of the instrument and the language of the music rather than like you can go to school and be like learn these scales. Like of course you have that knowledge. But even like the technique of how it's played and the repertoire and the and, and it's like it's a lot to do with like song knowledge. Like learning songs, like learning traditional songs and traditional dances and all that is way more wrapped in the Culture history of the it. banjo than it is say the guitar. The guitar is like far more conventional. Like you can play this on it and you can do these chords and it can be like a textual thing or it's not so steeped in tradition, you know what I mean? Yeah. You've also played the bazooki on it. Have. have you? Yeah. Do you play like? I don't. I, no. Again, no. Not like the Greeks. No. Right. A so little what? bit. I, I. Because it's so much more. Like, I've heard it my whole life. Yeah. I know what the language is authentically. Okay. Do you know what I mean? But I yeah. just. So if I was to develop it, I would know what language to use. But I, it's the technique of it is so different. Right. So how how'd you go about playing this? I I played track? it in a very Western way. Right. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Did it turn out all right? I, I don't know. It's a cool. T- I mean, they sound great. They're great, beautiful textures. Like the I Beatles think. used them, you know. Did they? Yeah, on um, Girl. George. There is also yeah. a very, like, the most famous Greek singer's name is George. Can he play bazooki? Probably. Can he? I think he can. Why would he not? I think he does. I think it's almost like one of those things where you grow up and you just do it. Yeah. I don't know how to play it. Yeah, but we're from like a younger. Apparently, you know how to play it. A little bit. <laughs> so, you guys predominantly, for the most part, release all your music in albums and then singles from the albums. Is that your like preferred way of releasing music in this day and age? Oh, it's always been. Why? Always has been. I think we probably subscribe to the tradition of an album to present a body of work as, like, artists makes a lot more sense than I made one song. I don't know. One song is, like, kind of... It's like releasing a chapter of a novel. But then there's, like, yeah. also there's you? EPs. We've done, a, we've done EPs. release EPs. Yeah, they, they, they can, yeah, a small, but like a, like a novella. It, it's, I, would, I wouldn't say we're against and we'll never put out a little EP of some description, but, I mean, the, we might be giving away a little bit here, but 
the next album is kind of it's it's kind of there's two albums. Yeah, so it's like is that a secret? No, nah, it's not a secret. It's like so you know like the Parcels album how they did like you know the Parcels album. No, they did like day and night, so they did two albums. Yeah, yeah. and they like put them and they released it as one. Yeah, ours, yeah. ours has a there's a companionship. We won't release them as one, but they definitely are complementary and almost contrasting to each other. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Mac Miller did that. Yeah, as well. So swimming like the, pools yeah, and, and yeah, swimming in circles. So the idea of just putting out a circles. song and then moving on to a whole another world is weird to us. Mm. Who yeah. knows? So what are like some albums that you think are done very well? Swimming. I thought swimming was unbelievable. I listened to Mac Miller swimming almost on repeat for like five months. Mm, it's a good album. Do you remember Big Scary brought out the Four Seasons or it was just called Seasons and it was basically four EPs? Yeah. From different seasons. Mm-hmm. And then the album came out after that. That was quite cool. Interesting. Frank Ocean's Channel Orange is a true album experience. Yep. As is Queens of the Stone Age, Songs for the Deaf. Yep. As, a, as is, oh, I was going to say almost the entirety of the Beatles catalogue, but I wouldn't actually say that anymore. What are your top Beatles albums? As far as, like, as far as like to experience it as an album? Like the most cohesive album design or just like the albums we love the most? Because they're two different things. I think like Rubber I Soul think Revolver. that you have to – I'm going to say include them both in one and you have to just – with both those things in mind, the thing you love the most, but that it's also done very well. Like it's like, a considered it's a, body of work. Yeah. Because like the White Album to me sounds like – it's got some amazing moments, but then there's just a whole bunch of random ideas that are like, fuck it, let's it's make mental. it. You know I think I mean? Peppers is probably the best. Probably Sergeant Peppers is the most considered. But and then if you do Rubber Soul, Revolver, I feel like you got to do them together. Yeah, and they're also very considered and very cohesive, and the songs are amazing. It'll be between those three. Okay. Also, Magical Mystery Tour is a very – it's probably not the songwriting one, but it's very considered as an experience. Yeah, it's, the, it's like a uh, – what about Abbey Road? You've ignored whatever I might say is the best. Abbey Road. Abbey Road feels like a like a hit list. Yeah, like a like a. It's like almost like it's like their best of of songs that they never released. Yeah, that's why Abbey Road feels like to me. Yeah, I think Sergeant Pepper's is the best. Sergeant Pepper's has got to be. It's like an ex- an entire experience. Yeah, yeah. But the songs are actually all yeah. very and good they arrive well. there after a lot of good work. Yeah. Which is like, feels like the approach, like all made sense. Yeah. And then after that, it kind of goes in like, okay, we've hit it now. Where do we go? And it goes in off all those weird tangents. Mm. Like Led Zeppelin 4 is a little bit like that. After Led Zeppelin 4, there was Houses of the Holy. And then it started to just go a bit weird because the projection from 1 to 4 makes so much sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what are you listening to at the moment? What are you like, your recommendations? I don't really recommend anyone anything, but I'm listening to George Jones a lot. He's like an old country artist. I'm pretty sure there's a movie about George Jones and Tammy Wynette coming out. Cool. Which will very much turn the lens and you watch. Everyone will. You watch. mark my words, everyone. <laughs> you'll all start listening to George I've been Jones. I've listened to that record. And Tammy um, Wynette. That Ox. Um, oh, I need to look him up now. With that I Dreamt of the Death of a Friend song. Oh, Ox. Uh, 
The one in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, that song's incredible. We found this German artist in when we were in a place called Bad Kotzing. Kotzting. It's in like very east Bavaria, almost on the um, Austrian border. You have to look up his name. And the guy who was the promoter for the for these two shows we did was um, this crazy like rock and roll uh, German dude. This guy named Ollie. He was incredible. He was kind of like a Willy Wonka character. And he one of his venues was an old church, and one of his venues was an old train station. And he'd kind of decked them out in his own like cool. inimitable way. And they yeah. they both felt like James Bond's like getaway secret like weekend hangouts. Right. They were incredible, nice. right? And um, and we just have – we were there for a couple of days and so we got to know each other pretty well and we'd just stay up all night and spin records and he'd just show us all these like really interesting like – he had all these like really weird like soul cuts. Yeah. And great. like really eclectic, unusual things of stuff that like you can hear where, like, where a lot of people have like sampled or referenced them and, mm. but they're so obscure it's like hard – like, I feel like Kanye would have had a field day in this guy's record collection. Yeah. Because everything he played was sick, but we'd never heard any of it, except for, like, obvious things like, I don't know, like Hendrix. <laughs> yeah, he played Daft Punk and a bit of Hendrix and, some, like, Steve Miller. And, but um, there was this one German artist that he played. He put this one song on. We all were just like. Yeah, Angela Ox, so A-N-G-E-L-A-A-U-X. Okay, cool. And the song is uh, – I dreamt of the de- I dreamt of the death of a friend. Okay. Yeah. And the next line is the night before the day she died. Whoa. That's very cool. Have you ever done that before? Not dreamt of the death of a friend, but have you ever like dreamt of something and then premonition? Yeah. No, I I uh I mean it's coincidence, I believe, but I dreamt a friend died and then I found out the next day that he'd had like an accident. Whoa. And burnt his burnt himself like yeah. quite badly. That is weird. Coincidence, though. Is it? I don't know. I don't know if it is. My friend has, like, hectic. Premonitions? Yeah, to a degree. Like, a lot of them all the time. She'll just, like, have dreams. And then, like, it won't be the next day, but it'll be, like, a couple weeks later something will happen. And she's like, I swear. Like, it started off being, like, a deja vu thing. Like, she thought that she was just, like, thinking that it had happened and it hadn't. And she was like, no, I swear. And so she started writing her dreams down. Yeah. And then... Sometimes, like something along the lines of that would happen, and she's like, "What the fuck?" Interesting. What was the famous um, premonitionist? Is that a word? I don't know if that's the word. Famous premonitioner. Premonitioner. Someone who tells the future and is it a um, octopus? No, no, no. no <laughs> like a, f- a clairvoyant. No, a very famous, like almost like an astrologer. Starts with D. Maybe. Did he put on performances? He predicted the end of the world and all this stuff and it all lines up. Oh, like an old philosopher kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his name? You'd know it. You guys know it. He's super famous. I don't know. Nostradamus. Nostradamus. Nostradamus predicted all sorts of shit about That's the world. Others say the man was a genius with a clear gaze into the future. There were so many things in Nostradamus. I like this, but he's talking more about like... He was talking about world events and like yeah, but not like specific things, but more like very specific things. Yeah, so foretold the Great Fire of London that took place, the French Revolution, yeah, the rise of Adolf Hitler, the bombing of Hiroshima, JFK's assassination. That's crazy. Yeah, but how many things did he get wrong? Because you can, you can, you can, yeah, predict all those things. No, you can't. I could be like 
there's going to be a world war and China and Russia is going to team up and you'd be like, oh, prediction. No, that's way too specific, all those things. And there are too many, there's so much consistency to all but of them. When did he predict the rise of Hitler? In 1920? We have to go and look at Nostradamus' works to validate what we're doing because all this is just speculation. Yeah. Oh, there's people that like predicted that or had dreams or visions the day before 9-11 that that was going to happen. And I, I, I bet they did, but also there's probably thousands of people on the planet that had that prediction that night or a dream about it that night. Yeah, and the, are you saying that it, like, if it didn't happen that they just like Yeah. We're just saying by, by virtue of population there's yeah. enough people that will have an experience. Yeah. I don't know though. I don't know because you could you could chalk that down to like collective consciousness as well. Like I feel like it's naive to say that it, that it's just like a coincidence. a coincidence. There's just too much yeah, that we okay. don't know all right, all right. to be like that's just a coincidence. Yeah, I'm being a bit of a killjoy there. Fair enough. I've had experiences that I can't really explain that could be coincidence or could not be. Yeah, you just don't know. None of us know. That's Nobody the great. Knows, we right? are we are made of. Unknowing of yeah. of the unknown. I like that's freaky to me. If I think about it for too long, existential crisis. Yeah. I have that when I look at the stars for too long. Did you look at the eclipse yet last night? I went out and it was yeah. just cloud. Yeah, I had the same thing. I couldn't even find the moon. I saw it. Was it good? It's beautiful. What color? Moon. How color? How, it how, red? how red was it? It was pretty red. Really? Yeah, I got a photo. I'll show you later. On your iPhone 14 Pro, three times zoom. Yeah, pretty much. It was a very nice photo. It was like a little bit red and a little bit not red. Sound- nice. <laughs> like it was like half red. Like no, nah, like almost. It was like I like that the, much. I like your crescent gesture. Yeah, crescent like, gesture could be the name of your your album. You've yeah, got a crescent gesture. Yeah, because it was like this is the moon, and like this much of it was. You have to be pretty lucky to be like, so the earth is blocking the sun from the moon in this situation, right? And we've got to be like on an edge. Oh, no, you can be anywhere on the side that faces the moon. Yes. And it will just disappear. Disappear. Well, it'll, the light will, the, the earth will block the sun's light from it. So it just. No, isn't it the moon blocks the sun from the earth? So that's how it gets the red tinge. Because if the Earth is blocking the sun, then how is the moon being illuminated? It's not. That's why it's an eclipse. But why is it red? I don't know. Because isn't the eclipse like the removal of light? But if oh, it's eclipsing the sun. It, it can not happen the in the middle of the day where the moon will like become. This yeah, but one. but what's blocking what? I don't know Do you what, know what? Do you know how it works? No. Are you sure it's not the moon? Eclipses the if sun? Was, if it was daylight. No, because that's just a normal eclipse. That's a solar eclipse. Solar eclipse. This so is then, a lunar eclipse. So which part is blocking what? It's got to be the sun blocking. The earth blocking the sun from the moon. Wait, so it's got to be. That's, about- the, that's the only formation that makes sense. Because the solar eclipse is the moon blocking the sun. Maybe it turns red because it's getting light from. Uh, from the earth. No. Or Mars. Where does the red come from? Other planets must get have. It has light, to have light, light in because light's traveling all around the solar. Mm. This this is sounds like we need Neil Neil's deGrasse Tyson here. Yeah, we need someone to tell us what the where the light comes like. from. We'll look it up as soon as we finish. We do love this stuff because you'd think a solar eclipse means that. Sorry, a lunar eclipse means that it's no longer visible. In the same way that this, a full solar eclipse is a complete blacking out of the sun. 
Yeah, but that's because that's the moon passing over the sun. Yeah. I don't know what what because the moon isn't <laughs> obstructed. The moon turns red. What does it look like? Red. Some of it was red. Some of it was still moon color. Yeah, maybe it's just ambient light from like it, the, it's around the atmosphere over. of Earth. The light would hit the light from the sun would hit Earth. Bounce around the atmosphere and shoot off and send sunlight and, to the moon and illuminate the moon. But you're saying the the whole was the whole moon visible? Yeah. Well, a then circle. Yeah. And it was red. Yeah, like where's the light coming? Where from? does the light come from? It became red over time. Like it, tra- it the red like travelled through it, and then at one point it was fully red, and then at other points it was there like some. Surely, there are people listening who are familiar with what has happened who and, are very and frustrated. They're so right frustrated. <laughs> Because you just think, if the Earth is blocking the sun, is in the path of the sun's rays to the moon, the moon would then be in shadow. It should be dark. But it's red. Uh, it's either getting light, as I said, from a like bending light from the atmosphere or a different, a different planet or light source. Or we've got this wrong and their lunar eclipse is some other sort of eclipse. It's something else passing oh, in front of the sun. I'm not sure it was a lunar eclipse. I just don't know what it was. Was it a lunar eclipse? That was a word. There was the word eclipse. I read something yeah. about the word eclipse. I know that it was a blood moon. Called it. So maybe it's a maybe it's Mars in front of the Earth, and that's maybe why it goes red. No, a solar solar eclipse. Eclipse would have been like the moon passing in front of the sun. Yeah. Unless it was. Yeah. Unless it did. No, but isn't like solar eclipse like during the day? Yes. It yeah. is. I was yeah. there for the hectic one, in and Nashville. it just goes in front. And you can see it. It's like a black dot in the And then the yeah. comes, the light sun. comes back. Yeah, and you can't look at it. it. You have to wear, like, glasses. You can. I did. Whoa. For, like, a split second, it looked incredible. Wait, you, so you, what, you're not meant to look at it? No, because you're still sort of exposing your eyes to, like, the full the sun. potential of the sun. But you're not. But if you look in the sun, like, even during the day, it's For fine. a split second, like, yeah, fine. yeah. You're not supposed to stare you at the sun. You don't want to be staring at it. Yeah, but. But if it catches you, yeah, sure. Yeah. That's a big good question. If you just stood there and. Managed to stare at the sun. How long would it take to go blind? I feel like it wouldn't take that long. I don't think it would take long at all. I think you'd do damage very quickly. You'd like you'd, you'd, Your you'd, skin gets burnt. Your retinas would be fucked. You'd at least have like cataracts, severe cataracts and they quickly. And it like captures and draws in lights. I reckon it would take a little bit. How long? Can we look it up? <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying damage almost immediately, and I'm saying blindness in 20 minutes. I'm saying, I'm going to say blindness in like eight minutes. How long do you have? A hundred seconds. This 20 minutes. Everyone's saying a hundred seconds. No, that's before it starts doing damage. Yeah, but no one, surely not, no one's. Permanent retinal damage can occur when someone stares at the sun for a hundred seconds or less. I don't know. It's saying Galileo went blind from staring yeah, at the Galileo sun. Yeah, but Galileo is like an astronomer. Yeah. And dead a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, like it's like. Like who What? Who was taking account of the of how it took place? Yeah. I often think about that a lot in history. Like take this example. Like let's say the three of us watched something incredibly like normal and reasonable like we all saw a picnic, right? Let's say we we're all sitting at a park and a picnic takes place mm-hmm. and we were all asked to write our account of the picnic and you read our three stories, I think that would be drastically different. 
Yeah, definitely. Yep. Well, then all these things in history and these stories is just an interpretation. Yes. Yeah. So how we don't know the accuracy of almost anything. From stories that are being Unless told. you can co- collate hundreds of versions, hundreds of stories and put them into subcategories of like these ones all share the same attributes and events. And yeah, blah, but are you blah, talking blah. about yeah, science yeah. or are you talking yeah, about accounts talking- of history? No, no, just accounts of history. Oh, right, yeah. Like this thing of like Galileo went blind because he looked through his telescope. It's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who told that story? Did, yeah. Like where did that come from? Yeah. And like heaps of religious text. Do you agree with the the – Thought that if you like wiped out all the books, or say humans got wiped out, or something like that. Not even sorry, not humans. All the books and all the texts get wiped out. Yeah, and were rewritten in five thousand years. The religious books would all be different, and the scientific books would all be exactly the same. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I think that some would be similar. I mean, the religious they'd be. I mean, they're all pretty similar. Do you think, okay, in, is the similarity a monotheistic character or spirit that is govern, is governs some form of like the the spirit of life? Is that where, is that the commonality that you would arrive at? I think, yeah. I think that, that there's, I think it's also like a death thing, like the, like what happens after death. I think that would be a very common like denominator amongst all like, like, the, like the afterlife We've idea. Yeah. About this. I think that's why it's, it's a coping mechanism. It's a, yeah. Like I think that whatever happens or like what is about, like what controls what happens after like any unknown thing that we can't explain or that we require hope for. I think that would all create a similar storyline. Yeah. Otherwise it's too harrowing. A, sti- yeah. a similar storyline. I don't agree with, but I, I, a similar like, attitude to to the discovery of like there's some sort of like resolution or there's some sort of like um because i wouldn't say i'm a religious person but when someone dies and you're like okay they're dead mm. right and you're like all right this what? is where the tears part of the yeah comes in. but you're like what it's, it gets you thinking, like, what is? Yeah. And then that is where I have been like, okay, uh, is there something else that... Of course. That, yeah. that, that, that's a great no, question. I think, I think the religious books would be the same. Um, Exploration. The new religious books would be similar to the old religious books in the same way that all religious books now are kind of similar. Yes. In that they have the same, like, in, in general. So the new ones would have the same thing, yes, but I reckon there'd be different stories and names and... Oh, totally, yeah. 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 It wouldn't be like Matthew, Mark and Luke and And John Perry and, and – Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So the similarity being – what's the similarity that you That do when you know? die, it's not over, um, that there's a force that is sort of controlling things or guiding things. I also think that, like, it would take, a, a, a like, the frame of, like, in a way, of, like, teachings, like life morals. Yeah. I think that would be a part in it as well. There are great lessons in all religious books. So, mm. like – that there's like some sort of te- like guide to life. Yeah. yeah. That's what it would be, I think. We could talk about this is religion for a- Yeah. Yeah. We got through the this the last question was what are you listening to? Yeah. Yeah, I know we somehow got to yeah. what happens when you die. Yeah. Um which is in a way the reason you listen to things. 
Because you're just looking for meaning, aren't you? No. No. What do you mean? <laughs> I well, listen to stuff sometimes because I just want to have a dance. Yeah, but that, again, dance is... <laughs> like, I just want to have a good time. That's not true at all because what's the pursuit of enjoyment? Yeah, but, like, meaning, meaning, like, I'm seeking some sort of, like, like meaning from what is being said. No, no, no. I just mean meaning in your existence. The dance might not be for the pursuit of enjoyment. It might be to... Everything we stress. Every, yeah, it might ev- be to like every that the relink the the relief of stress is this pursuit of meaning of your existence. Everything you do is like the pursuit of the meaning of your existence. Yeah, that's what I mean. So listening to music. Is, oh, but that's everything. Then. That's like, everything. You say everything has meaning. No, it's no, the pursuit every, of your no, existence. No, everything. Not everything has meaning. Everything is the pursuit of meaning. But it's not a conscious thing of like I'm going to listen to something because I'm in search. Of no, of course not. But that's why I was saying you could argue. Yeah. That listen. That your question pertains very much so to like what happens when you die. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're totally you. linked. The only reason music exists is because we die. <laughs> yeah. It is. But that, you could just say everything's linked. Everything. But that's is. not. But I'm not saying that. I'm not being as like frivolous as it's not that generalized. It sounds that generalized, but it's not. It's actually quite a specific thing, specific idea. Okay. To pursue the idea of your existence. That's why it's like everything, all culture, arts, everything we have, has been derived from that. From the fact that we die. That we die. Because it's the only thing that that. It's it perplexes us to the point of challenging it constantly. The reason it's exactly what you guys are talking about, like the consistent thing of looking for that the, a hopeful consolation or whatever it is, because no one knows what death is, so they have to look for a consolation to give it meaning. Like that's why we have religion. That's why we have art. That's why we have culture. It's why we have ideas. See, it's actually also why we have science. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. So that's what I'm. That's what I mean. It's I, the, yeah. you, know, you can't really argue against it because yeah, we, you can't because we don't have anything else. Yeah, because no one's lived forever yet. But if we do, it will undermine everything. Would you say that there's other reasons why people do things though, other than that, or that's just the sole reason? That's the that's the core of it. That's the foundation, and then obviously there's like any system, there are like a hugely and very complex, multifaceted, like structure to how nuanced that can get. Mm. But the actual, the very bottom of the of the the impetus to do it is death. Everything is okay. What about drinking whiskey? Everything. Just so let me to escape thinking about that. Well, the thing is, it's making it's, a direct action to to to. I mean, it doesn't have to be drinking whiskey to do something or to meditate to to block out all the thoughts about life. Or yeah, because when you go into like a, a hectic state of like meditation, there is nothing. It's like primal, like you access a primal part of your brain that does not think. Well, you're always thinking. So, but like, you're not. But I would argue not, then, like. Pursue I, I know what you're saying. What you're what you're trying to do is like become as present and 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 relieved of like what you would consider conscious thought as like possible. you're thinking about. Okay, for for the most part, you think about 
your breathing. Right. That's what you're thinking yeah. about. There's nothing outside that's, of that that you're what, thinking that's about. That's what I'm saying. So so the, the goal, the, the ultimate goal is to become so conscious that you're relieved of conscious thought. Yeah. Right? It's still the pursuit of of you're still looking for meaning in that pursuit. You yeah, have but, to I mean, be. The purpose of meditation is to uh, relieve yourself of, or, or of find like, something or better yourself or become, or it, there's a purpose to well, it. Well, it's usually enlightenment and enlightenment is the ultimate craft, the mastery of death. Yeah. We can't disprove your theory. Yeah, we can't. I think that's what we're getting at. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's really, it's like, honestly, it's the thing that like pervades my thoughts constantly. It's terrifying in a way. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people go, no, no, no. And you're, my initial reaction was exactly the same. And then I think, oh God, like literally everything I do is that is, it's constantly that. Yeah. I mean, even you, even your cells are trying to do it. Yeah. You know, That's to true. master death, it's cr- it's insane. Yeah, we're all just getting there, and then they ultimately fail. It's so it's morbid. So it's oh my god, it's terrible. <laughs> oh my and god. then they ultimately fail. Yeah, it's well, it's is like, it a failure to you know. Yeah, well, that, they're, that's that's or maybe they succeed. Maybe yeah. they succeed. Maybe they had a great. Like the, the aim of the game is to is, is to, to end. end. We don't know, but this, now we've really hit the true definition of a philosophical discussion. Yeah. Okay. So we got there, Ben. You were right. Yeah, Good job. You were right, right from the start. Yeah. Um. So you have a single out at the fuck <laughs> me. <laughs> Sounds so weird. Um. Cold. I feel like we have to leave. Yeah. <laughs> nah. I'm just Burning we leave each other yeah. like, hey man, that was really good. We never speak again. Yeah. <laughs> like I just like cry. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you're single, burning holes. Give me the rundown. How'd it come about? Uh, uh, it came about in Nashville and it came about after a great love. And this is the sort of antidote to, um, to, uh, Excelling through what you what might be the treacherous part of great loves, and then realizing that that there that you know there's there's great um, power and solace and independence and autonomy and all that that sort of thing and things that kind of seem like they're out of reach when you're really in something. And I suppose the result is this song. It's 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 actually quite straightforward in the song, but if you think, yeah, the feeling of of the song is all of that stuff. It's a good song. Oh, thanks. I would also say it's probably our most commercial song, which is not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. It's just an observation. What makes you say that? Just in the songwriting format and the use of the harmony and the tropes that I've lent on a lot would be would be the most commercial that I've probably would be comfortable with to, at this point in my career, in our career. But I say my career from like a songwriting standpoint. Okay. Interesting. Would you agree? What do you think? I think so. I think the fact that on the European tour, before the the song even came out, people were like singing along with like the last chorus without any prompting or these these little call response things. Yeah, right. Without ever even asking for it Mm. proves that it is a... It has the markings of what you would consider 
commercial commercial ab- like ability or commercial potential. Yeah, and I like how you say that you'd be comfortable with because there's you can try and do that stuff. Yeah, and you can. I mean, you hear it all the time. So I mean, sometimes you write, you flat out write a pop song, and you wrap it in the thing that makes you that I, that you identify with. But at its core, it's like a pop song. In the same way that yeah. a lot of the Beatles category ca- catalog is pop music, and it's great. And in the same way that I don't like, I don't even know why I'm going down this road of defending pop music. I fucking love pop music. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care. It's more to do with how comfortable I and we are collectively as portraying our music in a particular way. And this would be on the the closer end of the spectrum to what someone would consider pop. Yeah. That's more what I'm trying to get at. Okay. And it's going to be on the album that's coming out. Yeah. It's track three. Track three. There you go. So you've got it's all you've got your track listing. We do yeah. indeed. Cool. And, and it's it coming ne- out. It nestles in like very nicely at track three. Okay. I think. Yeah. Feels good at track three. That's nice. I can when when you hear a song, uh, I, I feel like I feel like I have a good scope on this kind of thing. Whether it's uh, I can hear a song and be like, "That's track one. This is the last track." Those ones are kind of easy, and then you hear like "Burning Holes," and we I think we both were just like, "It's got to be three. It just feels yeah, like yeah. three. Yeah, can't yeah. Be two, you can't you be do four. you do have a great inclination for like the experience of the album experience. Fergie's very, he's far more particular about it than I This am. one's first one aside B. And you think like that, like a record, you flip it over and it's like a new, a new thing. And Fergie will go in and make, I'll do like two projections and then be like, ah, oh, fuck it. I don't really care. Fergie will make like 12 <laughs> variations and sit with them for weeks and go, what about this one? I'm like, I don't know, man, whatever you reckon. Yeah. Cause at that point there's like, I've sat with the stew for so long and for too long probably on the production side where I become sort of like overwhelmed with the ingredients. Whereas we well, could argue that that's probably one of the most important parts of an album, but like excluding having the songs. Um, it's incredibly important. It's like, a, it's like you this, know the final meal. Yeah. Because it's like, it's kind of almost a make or break whether someone even likes a song or not that you're listening to. Cause if they're listening to the album, like start to finish, this track that goes before and after can all, can almost define yeah, whether absolutely. you enjoy yeah. the song yeah. that's in the middle. Yeah. yeah. It's 100%. another thing when you listen to a record of, you know, you listen to the songs and blah, blah, but you listen to the flow. Mm. Mm. Which sometimes is, it's great. And sometimes, you know, like Magical Mystery Tour, we argue about this. I hate track two and three. Yeah. It's mental. Yeah. Well, you've answered your own question there, which was like, what are the, what are the things of, of what makes the album experience the album experience was exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It's like when I listen to Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, that is my prime album experience. Start to finish. Yeah. Start to finish. Yeah. That is the experience. prime album listening experience for me where it just all flows really nicely mm. and it's like a journey of tracks. Yeah. And like there's or like a, a or an album that I listened to recently is like a guy named Noah Dillon and it's like – really happy at the start and then it slowly dies off into like his more stripped back tracks and then picks up again for like more of an anthem yeah, kind of yeah, tracks yeah. at the end. And that's really nice for me. To, to question that, those two things, Marvin, do you think the, the Marvin Gaye experience from my recollection, I can't, I can't remember how many times I've listened to it in its entirety, but it would be maybe like five. Right. 
you, I'd say you'd be far more Definitely. versed in the album, right? Now, something like Noah Dillon's album or something that even we've attempted feels a little like, and this I don't know if this is a criticism or just an observation, but sometimes we'll do things to try and make something feel like cinematic or otherworldly or like larger than life. In my recollection of Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, it's just it's it's just a, a, it's an experience of great songs that have been like masterfully put together. It's not trying to be like I'm going to take you on this journey, and then in the middle I'm going to go down, and then at the end I'm going to like it's going to be no, like this yeah. heralding. Mm. It's just songs. Yes, and I feel like a lot like records in those days were a lot more like that. It wasn't like oh we're going to design you this experience. It was just like. He's a great bunch of songs done really well and really thought about how they follow each other. Yes, yes. Which is an interesting way yeah. to think about it because no one's going like, oh, really different from like, say, a Beatles journey. Yeah, some people are though. Some people like create their albums and they know exactly how the order from from when they're creating it yeah, is yeah. going to go. It's like their their thought is, I'm going into this and I'm creating this album that is going to do exactly this. Yeah, and it's that structure thing. It's more like a novel or a movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a concept Con- yeah. album yeah, yeah, at yeah. its entirety. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Marvin Gaye did that. No. But, it, but it's just, interesting that you, that it's just it marries perfectly with your expectation yeah. of like what mm. makes a great experience of an album. And I've had similar things like um, like Deja Vu does that for me. Yeah. Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Like I, you, I can just put that record anywhere on the record on any side and be like, as this runs, I'm just going to have a good time. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like quite a magical thing. And you're going on tour. Yeah. <laughs> you're going on a big tour, like a massive one. Like the biggest. Like the biggest one ever. Yeah. <laughs> Six over sixty shows. Yes, yeah. it's with yeah. That's next week. Is it next week? Festival on Saturday. He's on the tour poster. Oh, of course. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking. Next week. Yeah, I was it like, really whoa. Kicks, it really kicks <laughs> off. Like, it freaked me out. It really like, kicks off in Jan. Yeah. And then yeah. it goes for about six months. Yeah. Yeah. That's hectic. And we've announced 60 dates and there's a whole other half to come. That's um, the first half. So, like, why are you doing this? It's <laughs> a great question, Vic. And what and how? Tell me about this whole coach situation. Well, the house, the, the house, the bus, we built, we bought a bus in August. It's an old, it's a 1996 Mercedes something, a Mercedes Apollo that yeah. used to tour down to Phillip Island. Like, and take, I don't know, I guess it did like tours and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and on your left, you'll see cows. So, yeah, so, and it's completely empty and it's the perfect template for us to build an American or European styled sleeper bus that don't really exist here because no one does more than like ten dates in yeah. Australia. And no generally, one... it's like you you know nine hours in between shows. Yeah, shows so stuff. it doesn't make sense. You just fly in between, get a high ace, and then off you go. And mm. then, you know, it's far more efficient. But when you're doing 120 dates in six months, you need a bus. Yeah. So how do you guys like deal with doing that many dates? We've never done it before. We, uh, yeah, okay, how are you going to deal? Well, here's an example. We got back dates. on Sunday night from 33 dates. It was pretty nonstop. It was a few days off, and it was in the States and Europe. 
And um, there were like there were definitely runs with like six in a row, seven in a row. Yeah. Um, and then we got back on Sunday night, and Monday morning our what our WhatsApp group from the tour was pinging with like, Why what time's check out? Where are we going? You know, like pretending like, that we had shows that night. Like we'd we would like depressed that we weren't still on the show. We're addicted to it. Some yeah. like yeah. You either have this thing for the road or you don't, and we definitely have it. Yeah, and also being starved of it for so long has made us be like, well, let's do something grand and fucking go out to everywhere or as many places as we can. And yeah. Tour, tour rurally because no one's doing it and people haven't seen touring bands for so long and it's harder to go to a city to see a band if you're, if you're in the rural areas. So we were just like, let's just get the bus and let's just go town to town yeah. and do the biggest tour ever. And be legends. Even though, <laughs> even though we have been starved of it, this I think this is something we would do. We've always craved this sort of thing. Yeah. How do you keep it interesting though? Oh, does it not? You, do, you don't need it, to. It. it nah, it, it's so much fun. It, it it yields so much interest on of its own design. It's insane. Like you can't account for how crazy it is. Yeah. You're welcome to come along. We have a couple of spare bunks. So most people get <laughs> most, most people laugh for a couple of days and they're like, "This is mental. This yeah. is it's to, it's so far beyond normal reality that yeah, well, I'm out." Yeah, like well, I can imagine. And do you get music wise? Do you get sick of that? Like, does it? How do you keep that like fresh? The performance of our own stuff. Yeah. Well, we have we'll have a catalog of. Uh, five, almost five albums worth of material to pull from. So you don't keep it, cons- you don't consistently have a set list that you got. No, going. we definitely like we did. We sort of did in Europe, but we would still we very much call it on the mood of this of the of the night and the, and the audience yeah. and the atmosphere and what what's going on and even just in our feel like and what it's sort of. And sometimes we get it wrong. Like when we played that Screamo festival, and like we're going to start with all the hard shit. And we played the hard shit, and the kids going, oh yeah. And we started playing country stuff, and they were like, "Yeah!" And yeah. we were like, "What?" Like, yeah. But uh, but it's never. I've never had a, a moment on stage when you're like, "Oh, this song again." It's just yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. The, the 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 hour and a half, two hours we're on stage. It's so joyous. It's like bliss. It's, it's like it's, you can be in a shit mood. Something could have happened in your life. You can be tired. Like minutes before you go on stage, I can be like, "Oh my god, I'm buggered. I don't know how I'm going to do this," and then immediately you're in that. That like, do you guys have bands zone. here? Yeah. Why don't we do a date here? Yeah, we'd we'll love play. to do we'll a date anywhere. here. Fuck yeah. Anyway, but further to <laughs> Ferg's Tonight? point, for, for, no, in the tour. Further to Ferg's point, and also to your point, the closest, the more we do it, the more it feels something like meditation. Mm. And like, you never approach meditation being like, okay, what I'm trying to do is like rid myself of like, like. Um, intrusive conscious thought to like be more present in the universe and you go, oh, what a drag that is. You kind of look to it with the anticipation of that practice is actually like very pleasing or like cathartic. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. That's, ve- that's very similar to what our performance, approaching a performance is. It feels yeah. very nourishing to like refine these ideas that that become more like a practice not like we're practicing, like a practice. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then like trying, then, then 
than the idea of it being like, oh, we have to deliver this this performance because these people are expecting this. Like, it's not like commercial like that. That feels like very much like a commercial exchange. It sounds like a pretty like hippie answer, but it's totally true. Yeah, I like that answer. It's a good answer. And when we're not on stage, it's just heaps of fun. It's just yeah. you can have time off, and you can still be productive doing other stuff, music or whatever, whatever everyone's doing. You can we practice. Of, you can read. You we can play a lot of Uno. Keep fit. Do try, try and maintain like elements of humanity. They're important mm. to we catalog our Uno scores. So there's like a grand tournament. Oh yeah. So every game is very important. Okay. It's very. Serious. It's very serious. I believe it. Um, competitive people. Oh watch, yeah. Watch Ryan Gosling films where he's dressed up as a granny murdering people. <laughs> Well, no. part of the part of the design of the bus is to have an excellent cinematic um, lounge with a yeah. big screen that is like beautiful. So, so you can have. So you want to, ha- you do want to have like you want you do want to design like we're painting it as like this glorious like haven, which which for the most part it is, but it but can. It's still a bus. It's still well. I I just mean like the idea of touring constantly. Yeah. And it, but it can be like you know sometimes you're sharing a bed with like three dudes in one bed and, mm. like, the shower doesn't work and fucking the brooms feel like someone was murdered. <laughs> like, the one in Czech Republic up the stairs at the lift. Oh, yeah. It just rocketed. It was like the whole thing was horrible. Yeah. And sometimes you get put in someone's house. And sometimes you're in the house with, like, in the kid's family room and you're like, what? And it's just like, this is horrible. And you think, like, what are we doing here? But it's still, like, you've got to create, like, little havens. Yeah. And... It's yeah. It's although although we say that all those experiences come to be like the ones we talk about. Totally. Yeah. 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 No one is ever talking about a great hotel room with clean sheets. Yeah. But you'll you'll be able to see uh, uh, later what happens on this tour. Uh, It's uh, because there's a film being made about it. Beautiful. So we'll see what happens there. There you go. That'll be fun. We might get halfway through and blow up and. Nice. Yeah, we need another bus. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, this bus is. Definitely. Um, I'm not even touching what I have so much faith. Well, you are. You are, yeah. <laughs> Fine. So, but that, but that is the faith, like you're blessing yeah, you with yeah. wood at the time you yeah. need it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, to finish, finish this off. What are like out of your whole discography? What if someone has never heard you guys before? What are like five songs that you would want them to listen to? One for one. Do you want ten or do you want five? You can do whatever you want. You can do five together. So this yeah. is for people who are listening who are like, I've never heard of Kingswood. Yeah. I'll listen to these. And so. you guys are like, this is what I want you to listen to in order to like satisfy your um, satisfy us. Yeah, like right. what you want that what you would want them to listen to. Your like most proudest songs. Oh, okay. I guess. Well, I'll or go- what you would just want them to listen to in general that you'd be like, you'd like this. If if this happens you know, overseas or wherever you are and someone goes, oh, put something on, I usually go to Golden. I think Golden, uh, maybe up until Burning Holes is is our best work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a great song. I wrote that song. And I uh, I would say Golden is number one. Alex? Mm, don't know. Come I've on. Go- I've gone off Golden. Yeah, but you've got to. No, no, I've said Golden. You say something else. You do five. Um, so you're doing number two. I've gone off Golden. <laughs> I think looking for love is a very interesting composition. Superb. As far as like, but I, but it also it's it's sort of like 
it's it's like a it's a real pantomime. So I'm at odds with it. Um, this is such a hard question. I hate this question because I'm not. I'm unbelievably critical. I don't. I don't really like a lot of our music. <laughs> Which ones are you like? Yes, I made like fuck yeah when you made it, and you were like, "That's a good song." I but I I've lost that feeling. Think back to the moment when you made it. Golden was one. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> All right, is that it, Just guys? Two songs. Is, if anyone listens to King uh, Golden, cigarettes in bed. Okay, cool. Although we talk about, we would have. Uh, I wouldn't use it differently. I wouldn't show people the version we made. I would show them the version that we do. Well, we don't have it unless you watch Rock Palast mm. on YouTube. But Siggy's in bed is uh, is another one. What's another one off Juvies? Actually, I really like Bittersweet. Bittersweet's great. I really like Bittersweet. Okay, I'm proud of that song. There you go. We got there. Um, is that five? That's nah, three, that's but three. That, we can keep it at three if you want. Of honestly, the my, my, the majority of the new album, Home, is the is our most proud is our most I think collectively our most proud work. Beautiful. And the, a part of the reason it's called Home is it feels like we've arrived at what you encapsulates are. us the the most accurately and the most inspiringly. Yeah. Okay. Um, a lot of songs on that album. I lo- oh, we just love playing that album. And I think it's beyond it being new because we've done it like 35-odd times now and we've sat with the music for like three years and we still love it. And you playing it at these shows? Yeah, it's do? almost predominantly – well, no, we'll, we'll play some of the old repertoire because we'll, we'll probably have to. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's in, it's in support of the new album. Cool. Nice. Well – Thanks for joining me thanks, today. Thanks, Vic. And having thanks for a having chat. Us. It was okay. an absolute pleasure. This has been one of the best interviews we've had in, I'd say, like. Ever. I'd say ever. If you were going to give a time on it, what was the one previous? <laughs> so you were about to say five years. I was going to say, yeah, I, I, I began to say five and I was like, well, three of those are redundant. So it's more like, it's more like eight. I, I think know. it's the most enjoyable ever. Really? Yeah. It's one of the most enjoyable for sure. Oh, I'm stoked on that. Yeah, Thank you should you. be very proud. We got proud through two questions. It was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got through like that. Yeah, we got there in the end. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Well, yeah. I usually do a cheers at the end of my episodes. So yeah, you can amazing. Give me a cheers. 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 Cheers, guys. Thought I had it figured out. Could have sworn I knew it all. Turns out when the chips were down, I knew nothing at all. Thought it's what I had to do, thought it's who I had to be. Now I'm sitting in this room, hoping you come back to me. You're an astral comet in my mind. Ooh, my favorite kind of void in space and time.